I start with that one. We'll laugh here too. <clears throat> All right. Well, while we're waiting on her to get back in here, let me share something with y'all real quick. Um, you know, we've got, of course, we're we're going Facebook Live here on this on this device and broadcasting on Facebook. But Byron, Brother Byron was just asked me about Blog Talk Radio and uh, how it broadcasts, broadcasting on radio or anything. But no, it's just broadcast over the internet. Of course, somebody can dial in and listen in to it. Or they, I mean, honestly, there's a lot of different ways that a person could hear it. Um, there's um, goodness, let me think of them all. There's uh, iHeart Radio, which is one place that it goes to, and uh, there is uh, an Apple Apple Podcast. People that uh, get on Apple Music, they can go and 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 pick up a podcast of the of this. And uh, there's just a number of ways that somebody can get a hold of it. But I just want I don't want to share something with you. I, I was looking at some statistics on Blog Talk Radio and the reach that we have with it. And since we started Blog Talk Radio uh, many years ago, and I know that by, since it's been so many years, it's not such an impressive number, but it's an impressive number to me because it's how many people have listened, how many times somebody has listened in to the message of the Word of God. And, and we've had over 85,000 listens to our program, and that's a lot of people. Uh, and I want to I want to share something with you. I was looking at the statistics of the countries that we're reaching into, and you might be amazed to find out how many countries. Let me just read them to you and share with you the different countries that that this this little country preacher and this little country church reaches into. Of course, the United States, fifty four percent of our listening uh, is the United States. Australia is second at twenty percent. Uh, Ghana, Africa is six over six percent. Uh, United uh, Great Britain, um, the UK is is three point fifty two percent. France is two point six five. Denmark is two percent. The rest of them are one percent or, or around one percent. And you may say, well, that ain't much, but you don't know how many that is. One percent of this may mean fifty people. It may mean twenty five people, but it means somebody in that country is listening. And if they're listening, they're going to tell somebody else, and they're going to tell somebody else. But just listen to all the countries besides this. I told you, uh, I got down to Denmark. They're listening in Russia. They're listening in China. They're listening in India, in South Korea, in Japan, in the Philippines, in Morocco, in Sierra Leone, in Togo, in Africa, in the Congo, in Africa, in Nambia, in Africa, in Fiji in the Arab Emirates, in Saudi Arabia, in Georgia, which is over near Russia, in Estonia, in Poland, in Romania, Hungary, in Germany, the Netherlands, Ireland, Switzerland, Portugal, Italy, Liberia, Nigeria, Zambia, and South Africa. That's where all this church is reaching. Isn't that amazing? Now that's that ain't a, we didn't have to work too hard to do that. All I have to do is talk through this box right here, talk through my mother's phone, and we can reach that many people if they're listening. They don't all listen in. I don't want you to get the idea that everybody, all those countries listen in every time. But I want you to understand all those countries have listened in. And and I did notice something. The lady uh, that I contacted uh, when we were trying to reach Anya's brother, uh, Miss Jeannie Brooks, she's she's a friend of mine from. Uh, from uh, Cornwall, England. Well, actually, she doesn't live in Cornwall anymore, but she had a friend in Copenhagen, Denmark, and she got our message, got our messages to that friend in Copenhagen, Denmark. I noticed Denmark's over 2%. You know what that tells me? Her friend in Copenhagen, Denmark, told some people, and now they're listening, and it's grown. So uh, pray, pray for our listeners, because we've got people all over the world that are listening in. You need a song list, don't you? You need a song list. I did. You call them out. I'll keep oh, I got, we got it. But I just wanted to encourage you and let you know that 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 you know where our evangelistic outreach goes far beyond this uh, this this county or, or this country. We're reaching we're reaching around the, the whole world with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, and that excites me. So anyway, let's get our uh, let's get our songbooks out and let's stand together and sing tonight and give God a little praise and glory. Good to be back. I missed you. But I was glad I was able to meet with you electronically. But 
<clears throat> Sunday morning kind of frustrated me and kept quitting on me. Number 60, number 60, the way of the cross leads home. I must needs go home by the way of the cross. There's no other way but this. I shall never get sight of the gates of life if the way of the cross I miss. The way of the cross leads home. The way of the cross leads home. It is sweet to know as I onward go. The way of the cross leads home. I must please go on in the blood-sprinkled way, the path that the Savior trod. If I ever climb to the heights of life, where the soul is at home with God, the way of the cross leads home, the way of the cross leads home. It is sweet to know as I onward go, the way of the cross leads home. Then I bid farewell to the way of the world, to walk in it nevermore. For my Lord says, come, and I seek my home, where he waits at the open door. The way of the cross leads home. The way of the cross leads home. It is sweet to know as I onward go. The way of the cross leads home. Amen. Praise God. That's the only way in. Jesus said, I'm the door. And the only way is through the cross. Praise God. I'm glad I came that way, aren't you? Amen. Never been sorry. I came to Jesus as my Savior. All right. Prayer requests tonight? Have any? We'll do that. We'll do that. Brother Byron, can you open them blinds back in the back two for me, please, sir? Mm hmm. Hmm. Yeah, please pray for him. That's way, way too young to be having them kind of troubles. So he's 18 years old, right? 21. Still, that's just incredibly young. Yes, Miss Charlotte. Yes, Arlie Ebbs. All right, you going for an appointment with the 23rd? Twenty second. All right. Yeah, y'all pray she gets her glass. She gets what she wants. Um, yes, Arlie Ebbs. They used to be members of our church over in Paris. And uh, Arlie, I was I mentioned him before. Arlie, years ago, uh, y'all remember the show Walker, Texas Ranger, Chuck Norris. Well, Arlie played a villain on there a time or two. He played outlaw. Um, he, and and played in a lot of westerns over the years. He's a good fella. Uh, but anyway, they. He's having a hard time with his health. He's up in his 80s. I'll pray for Arlie and his wife, Faye. They're sweet folks. Love the Lord. and We, we sure we sure love them. Uh, pray for my father-in-law. Uh, he's dealing with his knee. Pray that God gives him grace and they can get that straightened out. Uh, my wife, thank God, we, we're both feeling better. And uh, and I'll tell you, it, was not, it wasn't fun, but it wasn't. It wasn't the worst thing I'd ever experienced. I'm thankful that I, if I had to get in on this COVID, it was just this far variant that, that, that's really kind of just like a, it's kind of like a, a flu with some body aches. About all it was, I didn't, I didn't have any congestion, I didn't have any coughs or anything. It's just uh, me and her had the same symptoms, and it was just, it was kind of rough, but it got all, it got all right pretty easy. So I thank God for that. I'm thankful that that it wasn't no worse than it was. But it's good to be back in person, and good to be back with you. Anybody else? Anything else? All right. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's ask God to meet with us. And, and all the requests we would have said if we thought about them, God knows what they are. Let us in prayer, Robert. Well, first, I just Amen. You can be seated. Mm-hmm. 
colors blue. My waters fill for troubled sea. Still his hand that leadeth me. He leadeth me, he leadeth me. By his own hand he leadeth me. His faithful follower I would be, for by his hand he leadeth me. Lord, I would clasp thy hand in mine, nor ever murmur, nor repine. Content whatever lot I see, since is my God that leadeth me. He leadeth me, he leadeth me, by his own hand he leadeth me. His faithful follower I would be, for by his hand he leadeth me. And when my task on earth is done, when by thy grace the victory's won, in death's wave, I will not flee, since God through Jordan leadeth me. He leadeth me, he leadeth me, by his own hand he leadeth me. His faithful power I would be, for by his hand he leadeth me. Praise God. What a comfort that is that he does lead us. Amen. Ooh, I'm so thankful he does. I know what it's like to not to not have him lead me. I tried that long enough. I don't know about y'all. I don't know how it was with y'all when, when you were trying to do it yourself. Maybe you don't even remember that. Maybe it's been so long you don't even remember what it was like back when you were trying to do it without God. But whew, what a nightmare that is. And I don't wish that upon my worst enemy. Amen. Well, again, it's good to be in church. It's good to uh, it's good to be it's good to be out of the house. It's good to be free of all that mess, and it's good to be back in swing of things. And I'm glad to be back in Proverbs tonight, even though you may not be glad once we get through it and get in it, because it's not really a a fun subject we're going to talk about tonight. Nobody likes to talk about adultery, do they? Nobody talk, likes to talk about sexual immorality. But it's in the Bible. And and I and I realize I'm looking at some seasoned saints. Uh, I don't wanna I don't wanna use no ugly words. I'm just saying we're we're all most most of y'all are older than, well, all of y'all are older than me and, and I done got to the age yes, you are. And I done got to the age to where this stuff probably ain't the forefront of, of my life, but but you know, there are a lot like I tell y'all all the time, there are people watching on this device and there are people listening as we just discussed. We've had, you know, over 85,000 listens since we started that program a long time ago, and uh, and they're still listening, and they're listening all over the world. And this message is needed. Maybe we don't need it in our marriage or our home right now because we're not tempted in this regard, but it doesn't doesn't mean that people who watch this video in the, in the next few days, the next few weeks, the next few months, or the next few years won't need this. There are people who need this message tonight, so I'm going to preach it just like you need it. Amen? All right, so you listen tonight, and we'll just we'll just you we'll take your fingers out. You need it back there. <laughs> you you know, there's a verse about people that stop at their ears, so <laughs> you might you might want to check on that before you do. But let's read tonight. Uh, let's read verses one through fourteen in Proverbs chapter. Let me turn this fan on back here, by the way. It's a little warm up here. Of course, I've been waving my arm and singing too. But uh, anyway, let's read Proverbs chapter 5, verses 1 through 14. Chapter 5. I'll give you just a second to find that. Chapter 5, because I want you to read along with me, verses 1 through 14. Proverbs, the wisdom book. Amen? And, and again, you know, Solomon has been, again, this is Solomon writing to his son, Rehoboam. He's giving him his wisdom so that he doesn't have to go down the road that, that his daddy has gone or his grandpa has even has gone, uh, you know. And, and you say, well, what do you mean it's his daddy? <laughs> Something I was thinking about, I, I, mean, I, I was thinking about this when I was getting ready. 
and I hadn't thought about it all the way through this study. But Solomon wasn't always wise. God gave Solomon wisdom when he was young. And God and, and Solomon used that wisdom, but, but Solomon went out, if you remember the, the book of Ecclesiastes talks about Solomon trying to find happiness in the world and trying to find joy and and, and, and he tried everything, and, and he found out most of it was empty. Now, he wasn't wise when he tried to do all that. That sounds like what a teenager does. And, so, and, and, and he wound up with 700 wives. That wasn't wise either. And 300 girlfriends on the side. Concubines is what they called them. But that, that, that basically just means those are girlfriends I go hang out with that I'm not married to. Uh, you know, that wasn't very wise. Solomon had a weakness for women. Uh, a woman could talk sweet to him, and he'd just say, well, let's just get married, baby. I don't, I don't, I don't know how much longer I can take this sweet talk, so let's go and get married. I, got, I already got 640-something. Let's go and get another one. I mean, I thought about that sometimes. You know, even if he had 700 wives, he'd go two years and never see the same one. I mean, really. I mean, he could go two years and never see the same woman, have a different woman at his dinner table every night. And that wasn't wise. So I, when I say all that, I know God gave him wisdom, but his his wisdom did not endure. And, and when, listen, when you leave God's word and God's way and you try to do it your way, uh, you're not going to use God's wisdom. God's wisdom is not going to dwell in your heart if you're filling it with foolishness. Uh, you, it's not. It's something you constantly have to, to be working toward is getting wisdom from God. And we'll see, we'll see that as we go on. But anyway... Uh, chapter 5, verses 1 through 14, we'll read it and we'll go back and look at it. My son, attend unto my wisdom and bow thine ear to my understanding, that thou mayest regard discretion and that thy lips may keep knowledge. For the lips of a strange woman drop as a honeycomb, and her mouth is smoother than oil. But her end is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death, her steps take hold on hell. Lest thou should ponder the path of life, her ways are movable that thou canst not know them. Hear me now, therefore, O ye children, and depart from the words of my mouth. Remove thy way far from her, and come nigh the door of her house. Come not nigh the door of her house. Lest thou give thine honor unto others, and thy years unto the cruel. Lest strangers be filled with thy wealth, and thy labors be in the house of a stranger. And thou mourn at the last when thy flesh and thy body are consumed." And say, how have I hated instruction, and my heart despised reproof, and have not obeyed the voice of my teachers, nor inclined my ear to them that instructed me. I was almost in all evil in the midst of the congregation and assembly. Let's go to the Lord in prayer tonight. Heavenly Father, Lord, I come before your throne tonight, and Lord, I pray tonight, Lord, that somebody who hears this message can be benefited from it. Lord, I I, I don't think that it's going to, necessarily be something that's, that, that the folks in the room tonight need, but I can't speak to that because I don't know everybody's situation always. But, Lord God, I wouldn't think so, but, Lord, I don't know. And, Lord, I know there are people who watch, who, who listen in, and I don't know their lives and don't know their situations. And, Lord, I know the temptation can fall in our path, and we never dreamed it would fall in our path. And, Lord God, we need to be aware that we need to be prepared should it come our way. And, Father God, I pray you give us wisdom tonight from the Scriptures. Lord, help us to receive the wisdom that Rehoboam should have gotten. Lord, I pray, Father, that you that you would take it and sink it down into our hearts that we might not just retain it for ourselves, but, Lord, that we might have it for the younger folks who come around us and need wisdom. Lord, our, our own family and friends and, and those who we come in contact with, may we have the wisdom of God on the ready to give to them should they need it. Father, help us tonight. I pray, Lord, this is not a topic that I like to talk about, but, Lord, I know that it's in your word, so you want me to talk about it. And Father, I pray you give me that grace and give me the wisdom, too, and I'll give you all the glory and the praise for it. Forgive my sins. Holy Ghost, fill me and speak through me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. <clears throat> all right. So let's get into this. i got a lot to say in a short period of time. So tonight, The message tonight is a warning against adultery. Uh, a warning against adultery. And uh, the great preacher, G. Campbell Morgan, he made this statement about it. He said, he said, this is a tremendous chapter, dealing with a delicate subject daringly and with great directness. God doesn't pull any punches, and God doesn't tiptoe through the tulips or beat around the bush. He'll tell you exactly what needs to be said, and he won't, he won't, he, he's not going to sugarcoat it. 
But first of all, again, let's get right into it. The first thing we see here in this text is a call for attention. He says, my son, attend to my wisdom. He said that in the last chapter, too. I think, he, I think it's because we know how hard it is to catch a young person's attention and keep it, especially when an older person's trying to tell them something. Uh, a lot of times they think, well, I already know everything. They're, full of, they're already full of their own self, and they won't listen to anybody because they already figured it all out, right? They, they got it all up there. They already know everything. But he's saying, hear me. He's saying, please listen. Uh, you know, listen, he knew this instruction w- w- would do good if it was paid attention to. Amen? Help won't help unless you receive it. Amen? You know, it's like the fellow that was on top of his roof. I know you've heard this before. And the floods came, and he, he was up there trying to get some help, and, and uh, he was praying, God, God, save me. God, save me. And a guy come up in a boat, and he said, he said, no, 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 I'm praying God's going to save me. And the guy floated off in his boat, and a helicopter came and let down a rope, and they said, no, no, God's going to save me. And, and, and then he drowned. He got to heaven. And he said, what happened, God? I prayed. I said, God, I said, save me, and you didn't save me, so I sent a boat and a helicopter. What more do you want? Amen? Listen, we need to receive the help God gives. Amen? So he's trying to give help, and, and, and so... Listen, teachers have to do what they can to gain and hold the attention of those who are trying to learn. So he's giving him a man-to-man talk here. Uh, that's what this is. It's a man-to-man warning to avoid trouble with loose women. And that, but that, the term loose women, that means a woman who won't stay in a home, where she, you know, like a woman should. I mean, a husband too. Uh, listen, a loose man's one who's out running the streets and just doing what he pleases and has no, no responsibility. Well, a loose woman's the one who's doing the same thing. And, and, and God wants to give us warning. You know, he's already talked about the wicked man. He's warned us, so don't, women shouldn't get offended when God, it's a, he's an equal opportunity offender. Amen? God, God's going to tell both, both of the sexes exactly what their wicked points are. And uh, so tonight we're going to deal with the, with the female component. He said, and he said there, he said, attend to wisdom and bow thine ear to understanding. In other words, he, he, stop what you're doing and listen so you can understand this. He says in verse 2 that thou mayest regard discretion. That word discretion, that's, again, that's a, that's a word that we don't use every day, but it, it means prudence or knowledge and prudence, dis, discernment which enables a person to judge critically what is correct and proper, united with caution, nice discernment and judgment, directed by circumspection. Remember that word circumspect? Looking around you carefully. So if you have discretion, that's what you're doing. You're not just running through life foolishly. You're carefully watching your steps and watching your own conduct. So he said, he said I want you to be able to do that, to be able to guard your own conduct. He wanted him to hold on to discretion and to keep knowledge, not to let it fly out the window as soon as he got out of daddy's sight. The idea is that the son started in these things, but he's going to face the challenges of remaining in him throughout his life because the devil's going to throw everything he can at him. The devil tempts every one of us. The devil comes at every single one of us, and he, he studies us. He watches us. I'm not saying the devil, Satan, Lucifer himself, but his devils do, his demons. They watch us. They study us. They know our habits. They know our patterns, and they know our weaknesses, and they know the right opportunities to throw temptation in front of us when we be at our weakest point and fall prey to it. And so he's trying to get him to understand that he needs to be careful about his conduct, especially around uh, women who are not his wife. And I dare say that Rehoboam was a married man when he gave him this advice, a young married man, but still a married man. See, the problem with trying to get a a child to understand these things or even a young man to understand these things is because when when a child realizes the, the, again, the difficult part is when the child realizes that their behavior was governed by mom and dad. They told them what you could do and what you couldn't do, where you could go and what you could, where you couldn't go, and, and what, what, what you should believe and what you shouldn't believe. But now they're out from under mom and dad, and they've got to choose their own government. They've got to choose to govern themselves. And a lot of times it, it takes them a while to latch on to that. Amen. Again, you can raise them up in church. You can have them sit through every Sunday school class, every age group. They can make a profession of faith, but as soon as they get out from under your roof, they got to decide, do I really want this for myself, or is this just because mom and dad said it? Every child's got to make that decision. And so he's trying to get enough wisdom in him so that when he comes to that decision, he'll make the right one. <clears throat> um, if we ever get discretion, 
might not seem like it, but it's hard to hang on to. It's hard to hang on to. It's especially true in regard to the sexual matters that are described in this chapter here because, again, temptation appeals to one's flesh, and a lot of times when our flesh gets excited, reason goes out the window. Uh, preacher, I can't remember what his first name was, his last name's Trap. He, he made this statement. He said, many men's hearts are no better than brothel houses by reason of low-down and beastly thoughts and lusts that muster and swarm there like the flies of Egypt. Man, men's hearts are corrupt places, and, and, and we've, got to, we've got to work to retain the discretion to be careful and to not, not, to, not to make the wrong decisions that's going to end up hurting us. And then secondly, we talk about the allure of the, of the immoral woman or the, or the harlot or the strange woman here as she's described. And, and again, who is the strange woman? Hear me now. Who's the strange woman? I told y'all before. It's anybody that's not your wife. Amen. Any, any woman who's not your wife is a strange woman. That means she's not yours. Okay? The, uh, the, uh, I want to talk about the allure of it. Hang on with me. Stay with me on this. For the lips of a strange woman drop as a honeycomb, and her mouth is smoother than oil. The lips of a strange woman drop as a honeycomb. I wish I had no experience with any of this stuff, but I was a young man and foolish. And so I and I, I played music and honky-tonks. I have plenty of experience around the wrong kind of woman. I saw my friends wind up with the wrong kind of women. I've seen, I've seen it happen to people I loved and cared about. And and I and I know this stuff is true. The lips of a strange woman drop as a honeycomb. This explains why it's so important for his son to hang on to this discretion and his knowledge. Hang on to it. Why? Because what's coming at you is stronger than you know. It's stronger than you realize. Listen, <clears throat> these things are going to be tested by the enticements of an immoral woman. She's going to come at him and, and, and she's going to turn on that charm. And and she's gonna say she's gonna tell him how good looking he is. Oh, I just I just I'll get next to you and I just get I just get out my heart just goes better patter. I just don't want him on do you're so handsome. Oh, you smell so good, you're so strong, feel your mouth. They just say all kinds of things and get you all wound up, you oh man, I'm just something else. She's making me feel like a million bucks. This honeycomb. Like a honey oozing out of a honeycomb that they just cut the top off of, just pouring out slow and sweet and dripping out. I mean, honey sweet. Listen, a woman go to sweet talking. It it it, it does something to a man. It, 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 he ain't heard nobody talk to him like that lately. Oh, jeez, man, I ain't had nobody talk made me feel this good in a long time. You know, I mean. Especially if, if 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 the wife at home is just ah, all the time, and and then and then you got a woman talking all sweet and being all hey you you cute and I, and you know we'd have a lot of fun hanging out and you know I mean that don't sound like what what's at home. So you 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 got to understand that this that the sweetness comes at a man and allures him. The Bible says the lips of a strange woman. Solomon Solomon phrases that poetically and powerfully. The figures of the lips and the mouth, they refer to the words of an immoral woman and, and, and the way she uses her enticements and the kisses she gives. And, and, and I mean, she, she's drawing him in. <clears throat> and like I said, the, the, the first steps, when, when, a person, when a person takes that first step to the wrong kind of a relationship, it's usually always made by something, something that's said or something that's communicated. It's the lips. You know, it, it, it's, well, I'm going to tell you, the honky-tonks are a terrible place. You get somebody on a dance floor dancing around the circle in the dark, and they'll say all kinds of things. I'm telling you, and, 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 and they, that's the reason why they, 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 plenty of people leave that place with somebody they didn't show up with. Because it ain't, it ain't nothing but a, but a den of iniquity where people can can flirt and get drawn in by lust and go off and commit immorality. It, it's a horrible situation. It don't just happen in nightclubs. It happens all over the place. It happens all over the internet these days. <clears throat> but uh, but it's that it's that lips that talk first that that, that, that draws them in, and it, and it talks it speaks to us 
to the reason why that men and women ought to be careful about subjects you speak on with the opposite sex. You know, there's just certain things you don't say to somebody who's who's, who's opposite sex from you. You just don't because some things are just improper and shouldn't be talked about. And it he, he goes on to say her mouth is smoother than oil. Oil symbolized gladness and prosperity in the Bible. And the absence of oil indicated sorrow and humiliation. So, in other words, he knows how to sell it to him. He knows how to sell immorality to him and fool him into thinking he's found treasure. And, and really, he's fallen into a trap. Her mouth is smoother than oil. He's, oh, wow, wow, how, how did I fall into this? I mean, how did I wind up with this? What a, what a man, I must have hit the lottery. And then he finds out it ain't so wonderful. He fell into a trap. Look at verse, let's see, verse, I lost my place over here. Again, we're talking about the lips of a strange woman. He he focused on on this immoral woman, but again, it's not because he thought that men are always moral, because we're not, and and, and that it's mainly immoral women who seduce, uh, but, but it is, I mean, it, it's, it's more me, it's more women seducing men than it is men seducing women. That's normally how it goes, but that doesn't mean that it doesn't work the other way sometimes too. But he's focusing here on the immoral woman, and and again, Solomon Solomon was was a wise man. Again, when he wrote this right here, he was a wise man, and he also wrote the book of Song of Solomon. And he wasn't, he, you know, and the Song of Solomon is a very descriptive book about about a relationship between a man and a woman, and he was he was pretty. He was pretty knowledgeable about sexual things and romance and things of that nature. And, and I think he was wise enough to know that men are just as wicked as women and, and one's not any better than the other. But he's, certain, he's focusing on immoral women because, again, he wrote this letter, to, he wrote this book to his son, and he sensed that this was probably his son's greatest and closest danger. And so he's warning him about this. The strange woman is also, she's she's... She's really an adulteress, and, and 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 she's literally the other woman. She's she's somebody other than, like I said, a strange woman, somebody other than a man's wife. And again, he, he talks about dripping with honey, dripping with oil. Uh, in Solomon's day, some women had the ability to attract and allure men. Uh, I don't I don't know how they did it with with oil and honey, but that, that somehow they use those things, and that's why it's compared to that. But but uh. Doing these things we're talking about outside the bounds of marriage, women use these things for their advantage, and I think y'all know that. They use that to gain advantage. They use it to gain maybe something emotional that they feel like they're lacking in their life. You know, I, a lot of women, I, I know this just from knowing a little bit of psychology, a lot of women who didn't have a daddy in their life, they never had a father figure in their life, are reaching out and clinging to men and going from one man to the next, looking for that missing piece that they never had in their life, missing that, that, that father figure. And they're looking for that emotional thing. Uh, they're looking for maybe somebody to buy them stuff and paper stuff, or, or they're just looking for thrills, or, or maybe they're looking for romance or whatever. But they're dangerous because they're looking to do something that God says is sinful and God says is wicked and God says is dangerous. You know, our modern day we live in right now, I know this was so many, many dec- uh, centuries ago. I mean, way back yonder. But our day is not much, very much different than Solomon's. Probably worse. Because our modern Western culture is saturated with images of, of alluring women, enticing men to gain something from them. Uh, you know, all you have to do is watch TV. All you got to do is flip through a magazine or... or Click on the internet. It's everywhere. <clears throat> but Solomon goes on to describe the dangers of the immoral woman. Verses four through seven, he says, "But her end is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword." Again, her end is bitter as wormwood. He said earlier, remember, she she's as sweet as honey, sweet as honey. But now she's at the end. She's bitter as wormwood. You know, that's, that's kind of the way it is. It looks good going in, but on the, it's just like I said before, you know, if you've ever been to Las Vegas, I've been there once. 
The front of them casinos, man, they make them beautiful. You ever see the backside of a casino? Pretty as the front. There's trash dumpsters and people back around there looking for money and cigarettes and throwing up and buying drugs and all those things and probably hiring prostitutes and everything else back behind them. <clears throat> On the front, in the front, it looks good, but at the back door, it ain't so hot. And, again, you promised him the world, but in the end, it was bitter. The, the sweetness and, and the allure of the moral woman turns bitter, and her smooth, oil-like pleasantness, it ain't so smooth anymore. It begins to bite. The Bible tells us it's sharp like a two-edged sword. G. Campbell Morgan said it's a change from honey to wormwood, from the smoothness of oil to the sharpness of a sword, from the path of life to the highway of death. Another preacher said the image of the two-edged sword, literally a sword with teeth on both sides, signifies that a liaison with this woman brings nothing but pain and destruction. The Bible tells us her feet, let me see where that is, what verse is that? Verse 5, her feet go down to death. What it's trying to tell us is if you get on that path with her, you're headed you're headed down to destruction. You're headed toward death. Uh, her her path is one of destruction. She promises to make your life better. Oh yeah, I come in your life. Everything's gonna be wonderful. But she ends up taking your life away. And the wise man will ponder that before he goes down that path with her. The Bible tells us that her ways. It says her steps take hold on hell. There, you see that? that that's where she's headed. That's where a harlot's headed person that chooses a life of a harlot has chosen a life apart from God, and that's where she's headed, and somebody join her down that path, that's where they're going with her. Uh, like I'm not saying a Christian couldn't sin and come back and, and still be saved. I'm not saying that at all. I know once you save, you save forever. And I know I know David fell into that sin, and I know others have fallen into that sin. And a person can be forgiven, and they can they can have their life put back together after that. But I'm going to tell you, somebody that stays on that path, they're headed down the road. But God rub them out like a greasy spot. They're going. They're headed for a ruin. <clears throat> the Bible says her ways are movable. Look in verse six. Lest thou should ponder the path of her life, her ways are movable. In other words, what does it mean? She's unstable. She ain't right in the head. Her ways are movable. Listen, uh, you think about this: the decision to lure somebody else into immorality is not a decision made by a stable person who wants the best for their self or the other person. Am I right? You're trying to lure them into sin, it's going to hurt them. And listen, those who are lured into immorality may feel like they know the motives of the partner that they've gotten into sin with, but Solomon said there ain't no way you can know them. He says, again, her ways are movable, thou, that thou canst not know them. Because listen, if this person is desiring sexual sin because they believe they love some person, a mature and a stable person would say, well, if I really love this person, I wouldn't act against their interest in my own. So I'm going to reject this sinful urge and I, because I do love them, and I want to express my love only in ways that would honor God and his people. So I'm not going to go into this sin and dishonor God and dishonor God's people and God's house and God's word. So I got enough sense to realize this is not a good thing. So a stable person has enough sense to know that God is not for this. God is dead set against this. Now, if, if, if the sexual sin is desired because of a desire for pleasure or an adventure or whatever, <clears throat> again, a mature and stable person would say, well, my lust for pleasure and adventure shouldn't reign supreme in my life. Whatever good I might, might come of this, listen, it's not its not any good. It won't bring any good. Listen, it, it, it's only temporal. This is going to hurt me and hurt her or hurt him, whoever, in the end. Whoever the person's in something with, I'm trying to say. I'm not saying me and a man. I'm trying to don't take me the wrong way there. I'm not saying, I'm saying whether it's a woman talking to a man or a man talking to a woman. Verse 7, he says, Hear me now, therefore, O ye children, and depart not from the words of my mouth. He's serious about this. You know, I think he understood how adultery hurt his daddy. Just think about that. 
Solomon, I mean, Solomon is the product of adultery. I mean, of an adulterous relationship. Now he's not the product of adultery, but his older older sibling was who died in infancy. You see, uh, his mother is Bathsheba, Solomon's mother. And I mean, again, David married her after that, and and again, they had Solomon after that. But he understood mom and daddy's together because of sin. My mom and daddy got together, and her husband got killed because of sin. And because of that sin, uh, you know, my brothers died. My sister was raped. I mean, you know, or my, or shouldn't say that, but I'm saying all the the boys, the boys, several of them, Absalom, Amnon. Um, help me out, somebody. Um, Tamar, Tamar was raped. All these things happened to David, and I think I'm missing one there, ain't I? I think well, there was four of them. Um, oh, the baby, the baby died. That was the other. That was the other one. But but Solomon looked back at all this stuff that happened to David because of his sin. And I, and I guarantee he's looking forward to his son and saying, I don't want this to happen in your life. I love you, and I want you to be a success. I want you and your wife to be happy. I want you to, listen, you, you're going to be the king. Do you not realize when you're the king? I mean, Solomon knew. Look at how many women had come at him and how many women he'd taken in because of they, they were seducing him and wanting. Don't you realize why they wanted to be? Don't you realize why Solomon had 700 wives? He's the king. He has all the money in the world. These women came out from underneath the carpet and, and and underneath shingles and underneath rugs. They come out of everywhere. They said, I want to be your wife. He said, come on, baby. I got room for you. Come on, bring your friends. I got room for you. He was a fool. He turned. He was a wise man. He turned into a fool. But he's trying to warn his son before all that became, became, uh, happened to him. Now, i got to hurry up and get done with this. We need to look at the ruin that adultery brings. Verse 8 through 14. He says, starts off with this. He says, remove thy way far from her. Remove thy way far from her. He didn't say stay around her and prove that you're strong enough and you can handle it. No. The best defense is to get out of there. The best defense is to put some distance between you and the person that's trying to get you to commit immorality with them. Apostle Paul wrote later on, he wrote in 2 Timothy 2, 2, flee also youthful lust. Don't stay there. Go. Get out of there. Don't hang around. So when if that presents itself to anybody in anybody's life, in anybody here's life, in anybody listening to me's life, when that if, if 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 lust presents itself and the opportunity to sin and commit immorality presents itself, run, run. You know why? Because you're not strong enough to fight temptation. You don't know how strong you are. You may say, "I think I am," but if it ever got and hits you, you don't know what you do. So the best thing to do is to get out of there, and you ain't got to worry about what you do. You ain't there. Amen. Uh, we live in a day and time of rampant pornography. And, 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 and filth everywhere, and, and folks have got to work actively for a mindset on things above and not on things of this earth. Philippians 4, 8 says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. We have to actively think on things because the devil will put, he'll put seedy thoughts in your head. He'll put, he'll put awful thoughts in your head. And you say, where did that thought come from? I didn't think that. No, the devil put that thought in your head. But you don't have to let, you know, Billy Sunday, the great preacher, the Presbyterian preacher, he said, he said, you can't stop a bird from landing on your head, but you can, you can keep him from building a nest up there. Amen? And that's what he's trying to say. You can't stop the thought from coming, but you can sure keep it from staying. But like Dr. John R. Rice said, the problem is people want to roll it over over in their mouth on their tongue like a hard candy for a while and enjoy the thought before they put it away. And that's the danger. We entertain. You know, I, I can't remember who said it, but a preacher said a long time ago, he said, the time spent between knowing what's right and doing what's right will be spent contemplating what's wrong. Think on that for a second. When you know what you ought to do and you wait to do it, you spend that, spend that time thinking about doing wrong. It's true. Um, 
he says, what verse is this? Lest thou give... Got to find where I'm at. Oh, yeah, verse 9. He says, he said, remove thy way far from her. Verse 9, he says, lest I give thine honor unto others and thy years unto the cruel. He's describing things that are lost because of sexual immorality. And he begins with honor. You know, when somebody has, has stayed pure until they got married and they've been faithful to their wife or their husband, there's an honor that goes with that that you don't have if you're a cheater. A cheater. You just don't have that. You know, uh, you know if, somebody, if somebody's been unfaithful one time, uh, that, that spouse may forgive, but then again, they may always bring it up because it's always in their mind. And that honor's gone. Warren Wiersbe, uh, he, the theologian, he said, people who commit sexual sins think their problems are solved. He understands me much better than my wife does. And that life will get better and better. But disobedience to God's laws always brings sad consequences and and sinners eventually pay dearly for their brief moment to pleasure. He said, you give your honor to others and thy years unto the cruel. The adultery and sexual immorality ruins people's lives. God's command that our sexual relationships remain only in the covenant of marriage it wasn't given to take away from our life and our enjoyment, but to add to it. And notice he says, let strangers be filled with thy will. Again, we're talking about the hardships that come as a result of immorality. Let strangers be filled with thy wealth. In the modern world, a lot of men know what it's like to lose everything they ever had because of adultery. They cheat on their wife, and their wife says, well, I'm going to make you pay, buddy. I'm going to take the house. I'm taking the kids. I'm taking the car. I'm taking the bank account, and you're going to pay me every month. Yeah. And you know what? That's self-inflicted punishment, too. Amen. They had a home. They had a wife. They had a family. They had everybody loved them. And then all of a sudden, it's all gone. A preacher named Bruce Walkie, I don't know who he is, but I found this quote. It says, it says, the self-inflicted punishment of involving oneself with the unchaste wife is as bad as if the outsiders plundered the house. Although sexual immorality today may not lead to slavery, it still leads to alimony, child support, broken homes, hurt, jealousy, lonely people, and venereal disease. Ain't nothing good coming of it. And he says, and now mourn at the last. And now mourn at the last. When thy flesh and body are consumed, Adam Clark said the mourning that speak is spoken of here is the most excessive kind. The word naham is often applied to the growling of a lion and the hoarse, incessant murmuring of the sea, the roaring of the sea or the roaring of a lion. That, oh, that hurt. I mean, when you just hurt and just bellowing like a cow is trying to find her calf in the dark and the cold, that's the kind of hurt we're talking about. That's the kind of mourning. He said at the last, Warren Wiersbe said the young man, young man dreamed of pleasure. In wanton dalliance, he hoped to find the light, but when the lamp, or at the last, began to shine, he saw rottenness in his bones, filthiness in his flesh, pains and griefs and sorrow as the, as the necessary consequence of sin. Again, going in, it all seemed great. She promised him the world, told him he was the greatest thing since sliced bread. Nobody will ever find out. It'll be great. We'll have fun. And now at the end, everything's gone. Then it'll take you further than you meant to go. It'll keep you longer than you meant to stay. And it'll cost you a lot more than you ever intended to pay. He says at the last, when thy flesh and thy body are consumed, Sexual immorality leads to disease and the breakdown of somebody's health. And think about that. Even even the stress of trying to live a double life, trying to trying to be one person at home with the wife and kids, and then trying to be somebody else with the with the with the side side girl or whatever, trying to keep that up and live in two different worlds. You know, the Oak Ridge Boys had a quote on that. Went something like, "Trying to love two women." It's like a ball in chain. Y'all remember that? Listen, that, that's, that's common knowledge. Think about it on the country radio station. It'll tear you up. It'll wear you out. It'll break you down. 
And he said in verse 12, and then you say, Oh, how have I hated instruction and my heart despised reproof. See, one one great price that sexual immorality has with it is regret. Of course, people live with regrets of things they've done. Listen, if you've messed up in your life, you probably still live with regrets that you have. I know I have regrets in my life that I, I wish I could change, but there's nothing you can do to change it. Um, sin promises all kinds of things, but all, the, all those promises are empty. And when we see how great the price is, how deep the sorrow is, and how, how deep the regret is, you know, we, it'll make us it'll make us sit there and shake our heads and ask ourselves, why do we ever use that road? A lot of people fell into that snare, and they wondered, how did I ever end up here? How did I wind up here? How did I lose everything I had? How could I have been so foolish? How could I give up so much for what amounted to so little? I mean, it's just it's it's amazing how bad sexual immorality can destroy somebody. And he said, and we're about to be done here. He said, verse 13, I have not obeyed the voice of my teachers nor inclined my ear to them that instructed me. When a person's in that shape, it's like, oh, I should have listened, but I didn't listen. In verse 14, he says, and we're going to stop after this one, I was almost in all evil in the midst of the congregation and the assembly. The adulterer thought was going, what he thought was going to be a secret wound up being found out by everybody. Boy, it's awful when the story comes out. So-and-so cheated on his wife with her, and everybody begins to find out about it. Everybody begins to talk. And all of a sudden, the fellow that was so esteemed in everybody's eyes, everybody's chewing him up for lunch. He went into it thinking, nobody's ever going to find out about this. I'll get away with this. I'll have some fun. Nobody will ever know. But then he gets exposed in the middle of the assembly. His foolishness, his betrayal, and his lack of being able to control himself goes public in front of everybody. I'm going to close with this verse from Proverbs 28:13. The Bible says, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them to have mercy. And I want to speak to the one tonight who may be living in that situation right now. I'm not talking to you in here tonight. I know you're not. But there may be somebody listening in that may be. If you're in that situation, the, the answer is not the answer is not to run further. The answer is not to turn to something worse. The answer is to turn around, turn to God, confess it, repent, get right, and then seek, seek to reconcile with those you harmed. There ain't never any good from continuing down that road of sin. It just gets worse from there. Take the advice that Solomon's trying to give tonight. I, I urge I urge anybody, and even those of us here in this room, should we become find ourselves in a place where we're tempted, even if it's not some immorality like sexual sin, but maybe it's some other sin, and we find ourselves enticed to do the wrong thing, Follow the advice and flee. You say, I'm not youthful anymore. Well, flee old lusts. Amen? <laughs> if I ain't youthful lusts, maybe there's something that come upon you older and, and longer in age. Listen, whatever kind of lust it is, flee it. Don't stay around and, and, and try to think you're tougher than it is. Because I assure you, the devil has got us pegged. And if we don't go God, we don't do it God's way, if we don't follow God's uh, way of getting out of this, amen, which is to run from it, you know, the Bible says, submit yourselves unto God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. You know, resisting is getting away. Amen? I can tell you, if, if there's a woman walking out of her out to her car tonight at Walmart right about now, and some guy comes out of the shadows and starts grabbing at her purse or grabbing at her person, and she says, stop, 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 he's not going to stop because she says, stop. Now, she takes out some pepper spray and gets him a good blast right in the eyes, or she pulls out some kind of a sharp instrument and jabs it into his neck, he'll get away because she's resisted, you see. Or she pulls out a pistol and puts the end to it. I mean, that's, that's the ultimate resistance. But listen to me. If you don't choose to fight back, you're not going to win. You're not going to get away. Because, listen, the devil don't play, and he studied you. So be careful. 
You know that little song we used to sing? Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, the Father up above, he's looking down in love. So be careful, little eyes, what you see, and feet where you go, and, and hands what you do, and mind what you think, and all that good stuff. We better be careful lest we find ourselves in a position we never intended to be in. Let's stand together.